Well, this is not my first time to preach, but I'm still nervous, so. <laughs> ah, just you guys. Okay, well, that's good. As I was preparing, I was thinking about, well, how am I going to start? And I kind of thought back when I was much younger uh, about a story I heard of a seminary student who was going to be preaching his first sermon sermon. And he remembered that when his professor had instructed him, he says, when you get up to preach, give the topic you're going to preach on. And then the Lord will give you what to say. So he got up to preach. He was really nervous. I don't know, maybe he was more nervous than me. But anyway, <laughs> he was very nervous. And he's said, my topic for today is, behold, I come quickly. So, nothing came to him. <laughs> he said, well, maybe I need to say it a little more forceful. So he says, behold, I come quickly. Still nothing. And he says, well, I guess I'm going to have to put everything into this. So he says, Behold, I come quickly. And he tripped and he fell and landed on the laps of three ladies in the front row. <laughs> and he got up. He was really embarrassed and he apologized to them. And they said to him, you don't need to apologize to us. She gave us three warnings. <laughs> so I like that story, but... <laughs> So, I'm giving you three warnings today. No. <laughs> well, my topic today is faith, hope, and love. And we're going to look at these three and see what they really are. What does each one really mean? So, we're going to be starting out with faith. So, what is faith? Well, I looked up in the dictionary to see if I could get a little better understanding. And my dictionary is a 1957 edition of the New World, uh, Webster's New World Dictionary. And it says, to trust, confide in, unquestioning belief, unquestioning belief in God. The last one, I think, nails what faith is. It's unquestioning belief in God. He wants us to not to question. He's always there for us. He's given us faith so that we can come into his presence and to know him better. He wants us to have that faith in our lives. And uh, how, how does scripture define it? Well, I'm going to look at some scriptures here. The first one is in Hebrews and it's the definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1, through verse 3, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, what is seen was made out of what was, oh, excuse me, I got to read this right. 
was not made out of what was visible. So what was made was made out of what was not visible to us. God is the creator of all things, isn't he? And he made the earth and each one of us out of what wasn't. I don't understand all of that completely, but that's what God did. He made the earth out of what wasn't, and he created all the beings on the earth. And ending with man, he created man in his own image. Another scripture, I made this talk about this one. I won't go looking at it, so I don't run out of time. I've got short time to preach today, so. <laughs> Uh, in Matthew 9, 20 to 22, it's about the woman who had an issue of blood. She was a person that bled all the time. And she had this for 12 years. And, yeah, and when she saw Jesus and the crowd there, she, she said to herself, if I can touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Now that's faith, isn't it? She said, if I can touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And when she touched his cloak, Jesus realized something had happened. And he turned to her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. She was healed because of her faith. So she believed that God could heal and take care of her. And she'd been to the doctors over and over, and they couldn't do anything for her. But when she seen Jesus, she realized that he was the answer. And he could heal her because God had given her the faith to believe that she would be healed if she even touched his cloak. She didn't have to have Jesus say, heal this woman. He didn't do that, did he? She just touched his cloak, and she was healed. I'm going to talk about some things where there's a lack of faith. In uh, Matthew 13, 58, it tells us the story of when Jesus was at Nazareth, where he grew up. Now, the people all knew him, and they said, how can he do all this stuff? He's just one of us. He's nothing special. How can he do that? And what happened? He was not able to do many miracles there because of a lack of faith. Another instance is in Matthew 14, I believe, yeah, 14, 28 to 31. And this was right after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and he'd sent the crowd away and he uh, sent his disciples to get in the boat and to go across the lake. And he went up on the mountain to pray. So he didn't go with them. So they were out in the middle of the lake, and it was dark. It was late. And they see something coming in the dark. And they thought, oh, no, it's a ghost. And then they, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water to you. And the Lord said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water. He was doing it. But what happened? He saw the wind and the waves, and he 
was focusing on that and not on Jesus. And he began to seek, sink. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. And they both got back in the boat and Jesus said to him, Oh, you of little faith. So that's a couple of examples of where faith is lacking. Another example of faith is found in Genesis chapter 12. And this is about Abram. When he was living in Haran, God appeared to him and he said, take your family and go to a country that you don't know about. And he listened to the Lord. He got his family together and took them, started on this trip. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew he could trust God. So he left. He left Haran and took his family. And God told him that he was going to make him a great nation. Yet he didn't even have a son. And yet Abram believed God and said, I will follow you. A little later in his life, but several years later, we see that God is testing Abraham. Now he changed his name, Abraham. He's testing him and saying, I want you to sacrifice your son in the fire. Go to Moriah and sacrifice your son there. So again, Abraham didn't question God. It says the next day he took two of his servants, he got his donkeys ready to go, he took all the provisions he'd need to make this sacrifice, and they started off for Moriah. And when they got close enough to where they could see it, God, uh, Abraham said to his servants, you wait here, the child and I will go on. And so he took Isaac, and he took the wood and the fire and all that he'd need for the sacrifice. And he went up onto Moriah and he was getting ready to sacrifice his son. What did he do? He bound him, he tied him up, in other words, put him on the altar, was ready to plunge the knife into him when the angel of the Lord said, no, Abraham, don't do that. God was just testing you to see whether you would do what I said. <clears throat> And then he saw this ram caught in a thicket. And he used that to sacrifice. So God provided. And so God is always faithful and will always take care of us. Another scripture, and many of you might know this one by heart, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace, it says, your faith saves you. Your faith in what? Your faith in Jesus Christ. And he is the one that we need to submit to. Put our faith in Jesus, and he'll minister in our hearts. He will grow us. He will test us like he did Abraham to see whether we really will follow him 
and he will continue to guide us and draw us closer to him. The next thing we're going to look at is hope. What is it? What is hope? A definition I found in the Webster's Dictionary, again, I got three of them or four of them here, but is a feeling of what is wanted will happen, desire accomplished by anticipation or expectation. The subject of this, or a subject of what your hope is. A person or thing from which something may be hoped for and trust and reliance. Well, the world gives the definition of faith as, or hope as this. The world sees hope as I hope I get that job. I hope my team wins or whatever else you're hoping for. And that's not much hope at all, is it? It doesn't help a whole lot because there's nothing sure in it. But the hope we have when we come to know Jesus is a hope that is sure. We don't have to say, well, if this and this happens, it'll happen. We know it's for sure because God makes promises to us, his children, and he fulfills them every time. Look at Abraham. He didn't even have a son. And God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. What happened? God made Abraham into a great nation. It took a long time, but Abraham didn't see it happen. But it did happen. In the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. Examples of hope in the song. Now, I like songs, so. The one song that came to mind when I was looking to do this was the solid rock. And the first verse says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What's the writer of this song saying? His foundation is Jesus Christ and his blood, his death on the cross for us. He doesn't trust in anything else. He only trusts in Jesus. And that's what we have to do. We have to only trust in Jesus. Put our hope in Jesus because when we do, we have what he has promised to give us. So we're going to look at at least one scripture here, and it's Romans 5, in the first five verses. Okay, where'd you go? Okay, it's not wanting to come up. <laughs> it's being stubborn.
Do you have it? Huh? Well, it's just going around in circles. So, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. So, Romans five one to five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and we could use this verse for faith too, but just uh, listen as we go on through it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame, because God loves, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. So God's love has been poured out into us. And we have that hope because of God's love, because of what he represents to us. Our hope is in Jesus and his Father God. And we're going to have eternity with them. And as we look, go through our lives each day, do we put our trust and our faith and our hope in what's going on around us? Or do we put our faith and our hope and our trust in who God is? He's always faithful, isn't he? He's always able to take care of us. And he wants us to follow him with our whole heart. We'll see if I can move us on here. Let's look at love. Now love is, it says, as we get into 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse, verse 13 says that now we have these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Love is the greatest of these. So we're gonna be looking at a definition of love from Webster's Dictionary also. A strong affection or, or attachment or devotion to a person or persons. Another definition is a strong liking for or interest in something as her love of acting. And then the last one I'm gonna to use today here is a strong, usually passionate affection for a person of the opposite sex. And we all who have husbands and wives, we love our spouse. And so that is appropriate, but what's the Bible talking about with love? There's two kinds of love, by the way. There's the phileo love. That's the kind of love that we have, generally. And then there's the agape love, which is God's love. Now, the scriptures also tell us what about God. God is love, isn't he? He's love, and he desires us to be that way as well, to be love to those around us, to show that we know how to love the way he has loved us. 
I'm going to give you a, a quote here from Rich Dean. He says, everybody seems to believe that love is a good thing. However, not all agree what it is. Is love that warm, touchy feeling, feely feeling a person has for, uh, with a person that he's familiar with? According to the Bible, <clears throat> love is caring in action. Love isn't what we feel, but what we do. So it's not necessary not necessarily the feeling, but it's what we do. How do we treat people? Do we treat them with love or do we just use them so we get ahead? So we'll be looking at this here. In Romans 12, 9 and 10, I'll see whether this works this time. Up and at him. Come on, turn on. Is that my phone or your phone, Kevin? <laughs> well, it's not coming. Let's see. Try another phone. Well, that's my phone. Okay, Romans 12.9. See if it'll go to that. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Romans 12.9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. So love is to be sincere. It has to be sincere. It has to be honest with the person you're showing your love to. It can't be just made up so you get what you want. And what tells here that we're to put, or we're to honor the other person above ourselves as well. So God wants us to show love in a way that puts the other person's best interest there. Then Romans 13, 8 uh, to 10 says that we have a debt to love. It says, don't have any other debt but the debt to love your brothers and sisters. We were instructed to love them and to love them above ourselves. It talks about the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not uh, be envious. Thou shalt not covet. And it says, in this commandment, the law is fulfilled. Love your neighbors as yourself. Do we love our neighbors as ourselves? That's something we need to ask ourselves. Are we really loving our neighbors as ourselves? Or are we like the world and saying, well, if they'll do this for me, that'll get me ahead, and then maybe I can sometime do something for them. But uh, is that really love? You're just doing it so 
you get what you want. And that's not what God's love is all about. Now we're going to go to that big, long chapter of 13 verses in 1 Corinthians 13. And hopefully this works this time. Come on. There we go. 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you, Lord. Now it's not working. <laughs> it's doing the little circle thing. Now you have to get my Bible out. Hey, Kevin, your phone doesn't work. Let me give it back to you. <laughs> hey, I get all these people's phones. Here. <laughs> we'll see if we can share phones. Now, see, they're showing love to me. Because <laughs> they don't want to be up here speaking. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. You want to be a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal? Clanging cymbal? Oh, no. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So again, that's not worth anything. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, I, I like this list of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there is, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. <clears throat> when I became a man, I put... Um, the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
So we see a list of here what love is, how it acts. I like that list in verse 4 to 8. And let's see, where'd it go? Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. That's a list that we have lots to work on. Do you get easily angered? I know I do at times. And it's at my wife. <laughs> She's doing something and it irritates me. It's not her fault. It's my fault. <laughs> do you ever envy? Hey, they've got that nice car and I would sure like to have that. Or they've got that nicest home in town. Those are all temporary things, aren't they? They don't last. And so, if we are focused on those kinds of things, then we're not really loving people. Our love is imitation love. I'll put it that way. It's imitation love. It's because we want what they have, or we are angry with them because they disagreed with us. And maybe God's saying, this is what I want you to do. And this is the way I want you to do it. We don't want to be caught up in that. And so we see we have faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what do each of these things mean? Faith is our belief in Jesus that saves us from spiritual death and gives us eternal life. Hope is our belief in God and his promises. He gives us in his word that our future is in heaven with him for all eternity. But love goes on with us um, into eternity and will always be with us as we um, are made perfect in Christ and will have what um, have that perfect love that God intended us to have from the creation of all things. So let us seek to have God's perfect love in our hearts through the power of his Holy Spirit and to be more like him each day he gives us on this earth. God's love is the greatest of these. Let me close with this. And this is a quote from Rabbi Zacharias. Today in Corinth, 
carved in front of a small church are the words uh, of 1 Corinthians 13. It sits at the bottom of a hill, but at the top of that hill is the temple of Aphrodite. The contrast in the two loves tells us why the world is the way it is today. May we hear his loving voice and find the splendor of his love. Thank you.